Hi, listeners. You can now listen to this community podcast production ad-free on Apple Podcasts. Simply hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts now. Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this. Tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Hi all, I hope you've enjoyed the last three episodes of the Bravery Academy that have been released on this feed for a limited time. This is the last episode that will be on here, but never fear, season one of the Bravery Academy has at least 20 amazing more episodes coming each week. But remember, you won't find them here on the Clueless feed. You need to go search the Bravery Academy wherever you're currently listening to this podcast and hit subscribe so you don't miss the incredible lineup of guests still to come. You can also simply hit the link in the show notes and don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Sarah Ferris Media for videos on the Bravery Academy and all of the community podcast productions. On today's Bravery Academy, I'm joined by Dr. Debbie Silva. Debbie's lived experience of betrayal led her on to researching and finishing her PhD in betrayal. From there, she has helped thousands of men and women around the world understand how you can heal and transform through betrayal experiences. For me, this is an amazing episode to listen to if you've been hurt in the past and to understand how this is different from other grief experiences. Well, welcome along today to the Bravery Academy. My next guest is a superstar when it comes to both living and breathing the way that you deal with resilience and bravery, as well as looking at the science behind recovery when it comes to betrayal. Welcome, Debbie Silva, Dr. Debbie. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the Bravery Academy today. Uh, thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Can you tell um, me where you are based and where you grew up? I love to know the background behind somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm actually bi-coastal between New York and California. Every two to three weeks, I'm on one coast or the other. So today I want to talk a lot about your research and your background, but I know this all comes from your own personal experience around betrayal. Now, for those who don't know you, you've got your amazing institute, the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. How long has that been running for? 
I've been in business over 30 years, but it was the betrayal that led to the three discoveries that led to the opening of the PBT Institute. Yeah. Happy to share that story if you want to hear it. Yeah. So tell me, go right back to the start. How did you even get into this line of work? Sure. Well, you know, I don't think anybody says, you know, I think I want to study betrayal. (laughs) No, (laughs) you don't. You study it because you have to. And I was in health and then mindset and personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family. I thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened a few years later. This time it was my husband. That was the deal breaker. So I got him out of the house and and looked at the two experiences, you know, thinking kind of what's similar to these two, of course, me, but what else? And I, I took a good look and realized that boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my needs seriously. And I'm really one of those people that feels, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So I was ready to make a big change. So here I was four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I decided to go back for a PhD. And it was in, like a book wasn't getting me out of this mess. I needed a whole yeah. PhD in it. I need to study like how the mind works and 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 how to just sort of unravel all of this. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. And, and while I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally, when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. That study led to those three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. Tell me about what you were experiencing then. When you went through the betrayals, what did you notice in your own mind, body, and emotions? It's, you know, one of the women in my study said it best. She said, do you know what it feels like? It feels like every negative emotion you can imagine getting punched in the gut and losing a child in a crowd all at the same time. It, it, it's like the most debilitating sucker punch feeling because think about it. This was the person or these were the people who give us a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person or these are the people to shatter and that very sense of safety and security, it's traumatizing. It's absolutely traumatizing. You know, where betrayal is is so painful because, of course, we can be betrayed by, by people we don't know. But it's it's when the heart's involved. It's when we love and we trust and we depend on these people. And it's like they take a mask off. It is absolutely shattering to the body, the mind, the heart. Absolutely. For those that know my story around conning the con podcast, when I saw your research, I went, oh, this is the reason why I took my journey along this way. Because I think the five phases that you talk about, which we'll come into in a moment, I think that helps people see why this is different. One of the things that really stood out to me as well is the fact that, again, you explain it so beautifully, which actually betrayal is different from an uh, like other life crisis and events that you go through. And what I found when I went through my own experience of dating somebody that literally lied about his name, changed his identity and stole from me and all these processes of it in that betrayal sense is that people didn't quite understand that it wasn't just the same as, uh, you know, losing money in the share market. As my lovely father said, I lost that same amount of money in the share market. I remember being like, did you sleep with them? Did you date the share market? (laughs) It's there's something so deeply. So can you talk to me about why it's different? Because I think that's what will, will help others have compassion as well. Exactly. And that was actually the first discovery that betrayal is a very different type of trauma. You know, originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, I sort of look at post-traumatic growth as kind of the upside 
of trauma, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one. I'd been through disease. And I was like, no, betrayal feels very different. I didn't want to assume it was the same for everyone in my study. So I asked them, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you unanimously? I said, oh my gosh, it's so different. Here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self gets shattered and has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. Like for example, when you lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss, life will never be the same. You don't necessarily question the relationship. You don't question your ability to trust. You don't question your sanity with betrayal you do. So it didn't qualify as post-traumatic growth. It was like, yes, it's post-traumatic growth, but you also need to rebuild the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that betrayal is a different type of trauma. That was the first discovery. The second was that there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had easily over 95,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. And a few things about that, you know, we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. There's a a question. Yeah. There's a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. I just spoke with someone today who said she had a painful betrayal from her partner and, and she was scheduling a call to meet with me to see if we can work together. She was afraid to open up the email from me because she's that afraid to trust. I mean, it is unless and until you deliberately and intentionally move through it, it follows you around like a shadow. And so every few months I pull some of the stats from the quiz. I'm happy to share them if that would help. Yeah, and I've done the quiz. I thought it was really interesting. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. After going through my piece and it was like, oh, well, you've done okay. You've got to get in there. I'm like, yeah, I am. It's been a few years, but it's this process, right? It's not a suddenly you're fixed post-betrayal. So please do share. So these are, yeah. So these are symptoms common to post-betrayal syndrome. And this is men and women, just about every country is represented, 95,000 plus people. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. Pay attention to how high these numbers are. 94% deal with painful triggers. The most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. So you sleep all night, you wake up, you're exhausted, your adrenals have tanked. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort, you're emotionally eating. 45% have a digestive issue. And that could be anything. Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, you name it. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 64% are in shock. 62% can't concentrate. So just just imagine this. You can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And now you have to go to work. And now you have to raise your kids. That's not even the emotional issues. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 
83% are very angry. And, you know, you can go from sadness to anger all day long. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 84%. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. You just sit with that for a moment. Like those numbers are high. And obviously you've got a select group coming through to take that test, but it's still showing the consequences on the mind, the body and the emotions. And from my end as a mind-body coach, that is exactly what I see from the physiology and the actual physical aspects into it. My background was physiotherapy. And so I would be treating people and they'd come in with this back pain, the neck pain, the headaches, the aches, and then you'd get deeper in the story and then there'd be the, oh, you know, I'm not sleeping well. And then you'd be like, and so what's actually happened to you? And we just don't Mm -hmm. join the dots, right? So what I'm hearing from you is you're actually making people see how we join the dots around the mind-body connection post that betrayal experience. And it's it's a hijacking of the nervous system. That's really what this is. And so it comes down to the same as what I see, the hyperventilation syndrome. So it's a mind-body-soul experience that we get stuck in. Here's what's even crazier. You're absolutely right. First of all, you didn't hear me say anything 20%, 30%. These numbers are super high. They're also not necessarily from a recent betrayal. So this could be from the parent who did something awful when you were a kid. This could be from the boyfriend or girlfriend who broke your heart in high school. So think about this. That person may not know, care, remember. They may not even be alive. And here we are decades later with these symptoms because it wasn't deliberately and intentionally healed. I mean, the good news is you can heal from all of it. But to your point too, you know, think about it, just taking one of the stats, 45% of everyone betrayed has a gut issue. So you can go to the most well-meaning, amazing gut experts. I'm friends with many of them. And You can only get so far in your healing because if at the root of it is a betrayal and you're not addressing that, you could suppress, you can medicate, you can do all of these things. It's really not going to do the job of healing. And that's why we see when someone moves through the five stages from betrayal to break through the third discovery, happy to go through that, they heal from all of it because they're dealing with the actual symptom at the root cause. And that's it, right? If we're not doing that, we're just band-aiding. Talk to me about those five stages because that feels like that is going to help people go, okay, there's a roadmap and I like roadmaps, even though it's mm-hmm. not always straight or clear or a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. This one kind of is because cool. you don't skip, yeah, you don't skip the stages. The order doesn't change. This was for me the most exciting of the three discoveries. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do. If we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean those symptoms that you've had of post-betrayal syndrome to that completely rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, you will go through five proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage, and we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. Staying stuck has become a choice. That's Happy so to share true. The five stages. No, I love that. Uh, yeah. Because I think that's around that mindset of like that post-traumatic growth process, but we don't know what we don't know. So this is a very powerful episode for people that have been stuck in that space to be like, you mean I've got some control or power over that? That's what shifts your nervous system into a safety mode. 
So tell me number one, how does it work for number one? Absolutely. And I would love it if everybody, as I'm sharing the stages, in, you'll know exactly which one you're in. So, so just call it out. If this is the stage you're in, know which stage. And the beauty is there's a predictable, proven process just to keep moving forward. So stage one is actually before it happens. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody, me too, was a heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking mm-hmm. and doing and kind of neglecting or ignoring the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So, you know, picture that table with only two legs. It's easy for that table to topple over. That's us. Stage two, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. This is by far the scariest of all of the stages. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've gotten the news. Like when you found out that, you know, your experience, right? Life changed right at that moment. So fast. That it's D-Day, discovery, you remember it. You've now ignited the stress response. So you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. Like, are you thinking of exactly what had happened? You probably remember exactly where you were, what went on. But just to go back to step one, when you talk about those four legs that we're so conditioned around, I must be strong in my body and the way that I think. And it's like, that's only two parts of the puzzle piece. It's the way we carry this nervous system, which is also setting us up for failure in that moment. So again, around the way that we deal with stress before that point, whether it's the way that we think about stress, the way that we respond to it, all will set us up for success or failure when we get to shock. Shock is a, is a whole different animal. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the more tools you have, the more prepared you are. For example, when the stress response is ignited, it's freaking out the body. One of the things, like in my experience, I became insulin resistant, borderline diabetic. I don't even eat sugar and my diet's super healthy. So imagine if I wasn't already healthy. You're you're already going into a situation a little more prepared. But if you're, you know, if you're not healthy body, mind, and spirit beforehand, you just have that much more work to do. You still can move through the whole thing, but you you do have a little bit of an edge given the circumstances that wreck, just absolutely wreck the body, mind, and heart. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? Download American Vigilante now. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app. 
and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com So stage two, shock, you're blindsided. It's a breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that govern you. Trust this person. Don't go there, right? And in one earth-shattering moment, every rule you've been holding to be real and true is, is no longer. The bottom has bottomed out, and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. No. So this is terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would grab hold of anything or anyone you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this? Who can I trust, right? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far, hands down, is the most common place we get stuck. And here's why. Absolutely. Yeah. Once we figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we think it's good. We're like, okay, I got this. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we plant roots here. We park here. We're not supposed to, but we do. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all those small self-benefits. You know, we get to be right. We like being right, you know. (laughs) We get our story. We like our story. We get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everyone we tell our story to, on and on and on. And on some level, we feel we're not getting much else, so that feels good. So we plant deeper roots, right? Now, because we're here longer than we should be, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. Again, we're not supposed to be here, but we don't know that. Now, because these are the thoughts we're thinking, conscious or unconscious, this is the energy we're putting out. Well, like energy attracts like energy. So now you start attracting circumstances and relationships and people towards you to confirm this is where you belong. Like that lame support group that keeps you stuck, the misery loves company crowd, you find them now, right? It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anywhere else to go. Right here, you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks, but I mean, I have to get through my day. I I just have to feed my kids. So right here, you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, exercise, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And you think about it, you do it for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years. I can see someone 10, 20 years later and say, you know, that over-exercising you're doing, You know, that emotional eating, that numbing in front of the TV. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I had two heads. Mm -hmm. They would say, what are you talking about? It happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? 100%. And the problem is we don't honor the fact that there is supposed to be a recovery process, that the recovery is actually where the magic happens, that growth and power Mm -hmm. behind it. So it's exactly the process I went through. And it was really interesting yeah. what you said before around that, who am I going to trust? And you, you have this natural culling of who is going to be able to support you when you feel mm-hmm. so vulnerable. 
because not everybody has yeah. the skill set when you're in that survival mode. We're hunting out who's got my back because I lost all that safety. So who's there for me? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you also have to be really careful who you you look to for support. We have so many people coming into the PBT Institute with therapy trauma. And, yes. you know, people think that the instinct is, oh, let me find a therapist. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first. And if that therapist or counselor isn't highly skilled in betrayal, if anything glues you to stage three, it's going over, unpacking your story, unpacking and unpacking and talking about it and talking about it without a strategic plan to move forward. We see that all the time. I see it also in couples counseling. Well-meaning counselors, but the intention is just to get the couple back together. So the betrayed never feels heard, never feels validated, never feels acknowledged. And let's say the betrayer is a complete and total narcissist. They're like, you know, got away with that one. Mm -hmm. So it's well-meaning to the complete detriment of that couple because they would have been so much better off. And we see it because we have programs for the betrayed and for the betrayer. Mm -hmm. And couples come in and they leave completely different. They're willing to have this complete and total breakdown of what was in order to rebirth something totally new and so much better. Stage three is, is very action-oriented around learning about their experience and then numbing agents and suppressing and what can I do to get through my day. It's interesting because stage four is also very action-oriented, but now the focus is on what do I need? Yeah. What will help me heal? And it's very holistic. It's not just one. And let's say it is the most amazing therapist. That's still only hitting it from the mental emotional level. You know, you have to get the trauma is in the tissues. Hey, it's you in the body. Get that out. Yeah. You, you know, there are so many different aspects of healing physically, mentally, emotionally. It's all of it, even the right type of support, because the wrong type of support does more harm than good. So as far as group support, I mean, so you really have to address every aspect that was hard hit. And especially at such a time where we're so, uh, we're, we're humiliated. We're so ashamed you know, so we struggle and suffer in silence. So it's where do you go when you need like-minded people who are all there with the intention of healing, not just commiserating. So very different type of environment. And here's the thing. It's like, you've been through the worst of it already. Why in the world would you stop at stage three? And you stay owe yourself that transformation, which isn't something that's just unique to certain people. You know, I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. And there wasn't a roadmap for it. So what's so beautiful is you want to shave off 20 years, you know, just go through the stages. So if you're willing to let go of the small self benefits, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. Right there in that decision, you're turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you just stopped the massive damage you'd been creating in stages two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved. If you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but you're like, okay, okay, we got this. We can do this, right? It feels like that. But think about it. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You know, you don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in that new space. And what I found was there is one spot when people move from stage three to stage four, if your friends weren't there for you, 
you don't take them with you. That misery loves company group, you don't take them with you. That lame support group, you don't take them with you. So really common because people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years as me. Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, you don't bring them. You've outgrown them right here. Very common. That's clearly powerful. Can we just hold it for that moment though, Debbie? Because that's a big thing of letting go those connections and actually acknowledging that because you've had this moment of transformation, it's actually okay to grow beyond, which is what it sounds like you've been through with your family. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll close the loop on my experience um, uh, after, but it is, it's one of those things where, and I see this all the time too, people will actually sabotage their healing because they don't want to outgrow their betrayer or they don't want to outgrow their lame support group or their misery loves company group. And they would rather stay with the known familiar, even if it stinks, than grow and see what shows up in that space. We keep staying stuck in that space, not knowing how to undo it because it is the comfortable, but not actually the safe option. And that's also the space where repeat betrayals happen because that's where you're staying. That's where you're living. So when people say, what the heck, you know, the face has changed, but it's the same thing. Is it me? Yes, it is. Not that it's your fault in that it's your opportunity. There is a profound lesson waiting to be learned. You are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is. Until and unless you get that, you're going to have opportunities in the form of people to teach you. So just to close the loop on my story, rebuilding is always a choice. Like I got that lesson after that second betrayal. Whether you rebuild yourself and move on, that's what I did with my family. Wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. And we actually married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress. And our four kids is our bridal party. Never in a bazillion years would I have ever done anything like that if I didn't completely change him for sure if he didn't. But what happens is betrayal really lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. You take all the parts you love, you leave behind everything that no longer serves. And so you take a look and you say, what was I tolerating that I've outgrown? What was I settling for? What do I need now? You know, and it's totally okay if that person isn't a match, isn't a fit for it. But, I, but what I find is people are so afraid of that death and destruction of the old that they never rebirth that new. My marriage was over with the betrayal. That was it. So I just was on this healing path and dove in, you know, to the study in this PhD. And I said, I, I, listen, I have, I have kids to raise. I have dogs to feed. I have, you know, I have my business, but if I'm going to heal from this, if I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. Like that's all I knew. That's a choice though. too. Again, it's another choice around how I'm going to show up in this trauma. And I think that's really powerful. It was brutal. Oh, of course. It was so brutal. Brutal. You know, because it's, it truly is a reckoning. You know, you're facing the most painful, just the most painful aspects of relationship and of ego and, you know, and your heart, this broken heart, you know, but you can build back something so incredible. You know, it's almost like I use this analogy of like Legos. You know, my kids used to love Legos, right? So let's say there's like a Lego structure just sitting in the corner. It's not good. 
It's just there. And then imagine it's shattered in like 100 pieces. You, you can decide to build it back. But if you do, like, why would you build the same thing? <laughs> you know? Be the Lego master, right? Make something amazing. <laughs> the next stage. <laughs> that's the opportunity. So, th- you know, that's what you're able to do. So when you're rebuilding, if you didn't like something in the past, why would you bring that into your future relationship? Whether it's with the person, you know, that hurt you or with someone new. And, you know, we see this all the time where people are just so sad and they just want their old relationship back. That relationship is dead and gone. Now, it's also a beautiful opportunity for the betrayer to say, what the heck did I do? I just shattered the heart and the love and the trust of the very person, the very people that I love the most, that loved me the most. You know, that's an amazing opportunity for them. And when they take that seriously, they become someone they're proud of. You know, that's what our program for the betrayers is for. I find that fascinating with that betrayer work because I look at what I've been through and go, well, that guy's not going to do the work on that, right? So you've got some levels of people, like people that are going to step up to do that. That's because of their own pain to get to that point. I'm assuming that they've got into that state Mm -hmm. of of choosing those their choices as well. But you've got some people that with a narcissism and psychopathy that aren't going to step into that role, right? No, 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 no. And that's not the person who would be the least bit interested. They would probably find a reason to just some excuse or some whatever. Yeah. That's not who I'm talking about. This is, you know, betrayer will, betrayal will show you who someone tr- truly is. It sounds like you saw who that person truly is. It also has an opportunity to completely wake that person up to who they temporarily became. Then you have something to work with. You don't have to but you have something to work with if you choose. So what were the foundations that helped you trust and love again? Yeah, trust, you know, trust is a big one because I I look at trust like a brick wall. You know, every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy, that's one brick in that brick wall. So now imagine the person who built it over time now just takes this, whatever it is, and shatters the entire brick wall. You know, that's why I don't think repairing works, but you can rebuild it. But how does it happen? The same way that it happened the first time, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they have to show they're trustworthy, that's one brick in that new brick wall. And here's what I see so often. The person who shattered the brick wall doesn't really have much of an interest in rebuilding it. The other person is so brokenhearted and they're like, fine, I'll do it. No, that's yes. why they're hypervigilant. That's why they don't trust. That's why they don't feel safe. It's not their job. Their job is to be willing and they don't have to do that. They can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that get rebuilt. That's totally fine. Walk away. If they do, however, their job would be to watch that brick wall be rebuilt. The person who shattered it has to be a really good bricklayer. It's their job. There were actually three groups in the study who didn't heal. And I, and I didn't finish stage five. I want to make sure. I don't we're going to come back to that, I promise. Yeah, but <laughs> three groups. The first group, this was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. So they ran to the doctor who put them on a mood stabilizer or an anti-anxiety medication. They numbed in whatever way. It maybe made the day a bit easier to get through, not without a price. The second group, this was the group. They had their story. They were sticking with it. They were deeply rooted in stage three. That's all they could see. And so they kept that and that's all they had. 
the third group, and I'm, I'm, I was reminded to share this because we're talking about rebuilding. This was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So whether it was out of a fear of breaking up a family, financial fear, religious reasons, that was a big one. They did all they could to turn the other cheek, look the other way. I saw two things with that group. Number one, a further deterioration of the relationship. And two, this was the group that was the most physically sick. And they thought it was in their best interest or the best interest of their family to try to patch it up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. When it all comes crashing down, that's when you could build back something so much better if you both have that intention. I didn't even have that intention. It was like, that's it. I'm I'm just going to take care of my kids and, and my work and, and that's it. And then he did such tremendous work on his own. I did on my own and we started dating again. I mean, I, I never in a million years saw any of this coming. I mean, and life is crazy like that, but that is a very phenomenal story <laughs> of hope and courage and bravery as well, right? I'll tell you, I, I've, I've lost loved ones. I've been in the ICU for 11 days. Nothing was as hard for me as this. This was by far, hands down, the hardest thing I've ever done. It, it's like I said, it's, um, I look at betrayal as one of the most painful of the human experiences. That, you know, rebuilding from the shattering of trust and safety and belonging and, and that sense of rejection and abandonment. And that's why the version of you that shows up in stage five is very different than the person before this experience because it's earned. It is so common in stage five. We see people, new levels of health. I just talked about that. I just uh, interviewed on my podcast, uh, just one of our members who was glowing. I mean, the look of someone physically when they move through the stages, they can look 10 years older in stage three, mm -hmm. and then they look 10 years younger in stage five. We see new levels of health. They heal from every gut issue, all of it. We see new businesses. I had a retreat with just my high level uh, where they're moving through the five stages in six months. I had 11 people at the retreat. Four out of the 11 started new businesses. It gives you that freedom to see that there's opportunity on the side. And I can 100% resonate with that because it is such a big thing to have chosen to move forward mm -hmm. and to go, I'm going to bravely do that. Then you go, oh, wow, I did, if I dealt with that, what else is there? Exactly. Because I exactly. am so powerful and my energy in my like listening. So what I'm also hearing is that when you go through those phases, you actually begin to listen to that embodied cognition. So that mind Yes, it's important, but your heart and your gut-brain connection. Mm -hmm. And when you're speaking yes. from that truth, when you're understanding what that means and you're listening to your cues and self-care is going mm -hmm. to be my focus because that's actually what's going to bring me so much joy and passion and energy for everybody else. So yeah. stage five, tell me more about how people move into that. Again, there's a choice aspect. What else do people need to do? Just for people to understand what stage five could look like. Yeah, it's healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. The mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on everything you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. 
Amazing. Amazing. And what does it feel like for somebody to be in that space? What does uh, it life look like? You know, and e- e- this is a way to explain it that I think will really resonate. First of all, you feel so free and so happy and so grounded and so confident. And there's joy because it's earned. You, know, you work so hard for it. But th- this is an analogy that a lot of people can relate to. Imagine two friends. And let's say they're both, I don't know, 30 pounds overweight. You know, they're 30 pounds overweight, getting through their day. They're all right. And one of them just decides, you know, I don't, want to be, I don't want to do this anymore. I really want to become healthy. And she goes on this healthy eating journey and she's exercising and all this stuff. And she loses the 30 pounds. And she says to her friend, this feels so good. Join me. Let me help you. And the other friend is like, no, 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 this feels okay. I got it. I'm, I'm okay. And the, the one who lost the weight, she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I know what that feels like. This feels so much better. But the person who hasn't lost the weight from their perspective they can't imagine it. They can't envision it. So from where they are, it's like, okay, I'm listening. I'm getting through my day. But the person who went through it is like, you're missing out on so much. Stage five feels so different in every way, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. You are a different person. For those listening, I think they can hear that this is a holistic process. And your background while you've done the PhD in the psychological transformation You've actually been trained in nutrition and personal training as well before that, right? Yeah. Oh, and I, I mean, I'm a whole health coach, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I mean, I'm, I'm really coming at this from every which way. And then my coaches within the PBT Institute, I mean, we have decades between them, decades of experience in all different types of trauma. And they specialize in the somatic aspect or in self-growth or in addiction or in divorce or reconciliation or whatever, because they're so much better at that stuff than me. My wheelhouse truly is that transformation piece. But like when it comes to stage two or something, I mean, I have so many coaches that are brilliant at that. So really people are coming in and and based on what stage they're in, they're put on a track to do everything to get them just to the next stage, the next, the next. One of the things I'm wanting to dive into is the trust piece as well. You've written a whole book on this, right? Been a number one. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Trust. Tell me about this beautiful book. Amazing. (laughs) You've fit all this in. You've had the four kids, the the reconnection, and then some books and some, I don't know, TEDx talks. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. You know, when you when you find out what you're here to do, it just pulls you. It just does. Um, Trust again is that's a foundational book. Like if you've been betrayed and you need the roadmap and you, you're sort of too humiliated, too embarrassed, whatever, to reach out and come into the, the PBT Institute or, or join on any level, whatever. Here's like you have it in your hands. Okay, here are the five stages and you know what they are. I wrote From Hardened to Healed because so many people are getting stuck in stage three. So From Hardened to Healed is just for stage three. But Trust Again is really the foundational book around the five stages, my story, you know, the four-step trust again process that we teach. And, and you know, it's it's all in there. Maybe what I'm, I'm really taking away from today is that when we go through a betrayal in our life, it is so much more than just a grief that is going to be for a moment. It is much more of a mind-body physical reaction. And I really appreciate your wisdom, your time and experience of researching this and then bringing it to the world. It is phenomenal. Like you said, when you find your thing, it's amazing. I mean, the reality is most of us have been through a level of betrayal in our life as well. Like that's actually the humanness of us connecting with others. 
Exactly. And also there's self-betrayal. That's a big one. You know that person, that substance, whatever, is not in your best interest and you keep going back for more, you know? So self-betrayal is a big one too. And the whole idea is if you find yourself in stage three, now that you know what stage three is, just think about it. And this is your life. You, you know, you owe it to yourself to to move through the stages and do something. All I did was do something really good with something really painful. It's nothing anybody else couldn't do. DB, it's been amazing to talk to you. I'm very grateful. If people want to know more about you, obviously you've got these TEDx talks. You've got two TEDx talks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So two and TEDx talks. You want to hear something so crazy? Yeah. The first one was six weeks after my betrayal. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know how I did it. You can hear me kind of alluding to it, but I wasn't ready to talk about it. Tell me about the podcast. Yeah, the podcast is, we're so honored, globally ranked within the top 1.5% from a trail to break that we bring on amazing guests. I'd love to have you on. Let's talk about your story. I think that'd be wonderful. And everything is at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com. And it's a fabulous website. I've had a good look around. Take the quiz. I will put the links in the show notes. And I highly recommend this process to people knowing that the bravery of creating change is around the corner if you choose. What do you think bravery is? Bravery is facing your fears. It's doing the hard stuff. You know, we have a saying, hard now, easy later. Easy now, hard later. Take your pick. It's going to be one of those two. I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing; she'd invested three hundred thousand dollars with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series... And that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. 